All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another fire episode of No Pump Fix. And we have Scott Agnes on the show. What's going on, Scott? How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate the invite. Good to meet you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Likewise, likewise. So um, I felt like it was important, you know, at, at this point to have a conversation about the Pacers, um, a team that may not always <laughs> uh, get the amount of love that they properly um, deserve. Um, but of course, I, I feel like um, with the most recent news and Miles Turner, um, you know, missing a, a couple of games and um, things of that nature. Um, how do you think that's going to overall, Scott, um, impact the team early on just to get started with the season two? Yeah, I think more than anything, it just kind of derails what they've been working on for the last three weeks with the lineups. For example, he had a stress reaction in his foot in January. He hadn't played since then. Therefore, he still hasn't seen the court even with Tyrese Halliburton in a meaningful regular season game. So Tyrese is the face and the future of this team. You'd like to see how they're paired. And also, by the way, since Miles last played in a regular season game, Sabonis was traded to uh, Sacramento as part of that deal that brought Halliburton heels here. So there was a lot of excitement, um, probably a little bit of nerves and, and you know nervous energy for Miles, I think, to get back after it just because it had been over nine months. The team looks drastically different. Obviously, they're headed towards a rebuild here. He's in a contract year with lots to prove. So it's just kind of a frustrating and emotional last couple of uh, days, I think, for Miles and what he's trying to do. It's it's not big in the grand scheme of things, right? It's not a serious injury, he said after practice today. Only expected to keep him out a couple of games. And beyond that, they'll fill in the gaps if you lose. You kind of want to, right? A little bit. Um, but you would like to kind of get this team going and moving forward in the right direction with the core in that starting five that they have established the last three weeks in camp. You said this is a rebuilding situation with the Indiana Pacers, but I look at their roster. I don't know how bad they're going to be. The, but the in the East, as deep as we have seen in quite a while, like who do you see them better at than I think well, is the it, question maybe. Yeah, definitely. But it's just my thing about it is it's like, they're kind of like can be potentially on the cusp of the play-in situation. And if they're on the cusp of the play-in situation, it's kind of like they're not really going full-all, like, rebuilding mode, like most teams for Victor. I would temper those expectations. I'm not expecting anything close mm -hmm. to that. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm going to be honest. 20, 25 games, 25 wins last year, uh, a lot more veterans on the roster. They, they did have a lot more injuries last year. So mm -hmm. just looking at that, hey, look, if you don't have 400 Games missed due to injury like they did last year. TJ Warren never suited up. Yeah, yeah, you would expect them to be better, but I think there's different priorities. You're going to play the younger guys. You probably don't need to play Tyrese and other guys 40 minutes. Keep them at 32, 35. Um, and so, yeah, there is, I think there's a lot of individual talent, but there's a lot of newness, a lot of young guys. Like the average age is under 24. It's like 22. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of growing pains. But to your point, yeah, I think there's going to be – some highlights, some bright points, but I just don't think it'll accumulate in a lot of a wins. So what do you think the expectations for the Pacers should be this season? A lot of growing pains, a lot of uh, development individually. Uh, Tyrese take the next step individually. Ben Matherin is already a, a great player and a fun guy to watch. Um, already he's really impressed everyone with what he's been able to do and his ability to attack and finish through contact. Like his first basket in the NBA went right to the hole and went against a seven foot three Kristaps Porzingis. No hesitation. He is, and, and this is no arrogance, 
He's one of the most confident play, confident players I've been around, and he's 20 years old. Um, this was a moment he dreamed about. So I think it's more important not to look at the metrics with this team and more look mm-hmm. at can they establish a reasonable defense? Because the defense has been awful the last couple of years. Can they be relevant? For example, in the first game of the season, they gave up 23 field goals at the rim. Not in the paint, at the rim. And that was with Miles out. So those are the little things that you want to see, I think, from this team. How good do you think Tyrese can be? Do you think he's going to be the next future star when we talk about some of the great star players that the Indiana Pacers have, like Paul George, like Victor Oladipo, like Reggie Miller? I think from that standpoint, absolutely, as long as the the longevity of his time is here. And there's no reason to think it won't be. I mean, he's bought a house. He's invested in this community. There was, You could tell, by the way, you're asking, what are the expectations? A couple days before the season, they, they had the team out in the community at the local grocery store giving away tickets, meeting with fans. Remember, this team was last in attendance last season. So there's there's also a point of making this fun again but also having some success. So um, there's that. But then in terms of Halliburton, I see him as one of the becoming one of the best point guards in the league, probably a fringe all-star, depending on what the competition is there. Probably not an all-NBA guy, um, but if you're talking numbers, probably a 20 and 10 assist guy this year. I could see him finishing easily top three in assists, um, and I think that's where he can really help and also where he's going to really help his young teammates because who doesn't want to play with a guy like that who wants to get others involved and has that pass-first mentality and the Pacers in my opinion have not had that in two decades I'd go back to Jamal Tinsley um, since they've had a true playmaking point guard like that and not just a, a score shooter out there yeah even if you're looking at the, the landscape of the, the modern day NBA where we look at guards most guards are like score first he's totally opposite of that like he's like a, a pass first guy that can score a little bit as well so that's very interesting yeah how, how, how do you feel about that trade um, I was a little bit surprised Sabonis was involved, quite frankly, um, mainly because he was kind of the centerpiece of this that previous iteration of the team. Trouble was they just had so many injuries with this roster, so many bad losses. I think I remember them giving up 150 points or something around there to the Charlotte Hornets, who, by the way, should go through a rebuild themselves and Whoa. maybe reset their culture a little yeah, bit. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of issues, <laughs> clearly, and that's just from yeah. the outside um, there. But mm-hmm. they kind of pivoted in early January and said, hey, look, this is something we want to do. And by the way, I should point out to the audience, this is surprising and rare to the Pacers because they have the oldest, longest tenured owner in the league, Herb Simon, who's not getting any younger at 84, by the way, um, who's very much firm in his principles as the owners are in it together. Um, firm in his principles that no one should tank, that you should always try to win. And that's in large part because he had a, one of the best executives in recent history, Donnie Walsh, who was there for 20 years. And what he was able to do was rebuild on the fly. So that's what Simon had known and what he wanted to continue. But they were at a crossroads. And so to your point, uh, decided, all right, let's pivot here. And to get something special, they had to send out Sabonis. Um, and so I think actually the most surprising thing to the league was that Halliburton was available and it wasn't Fox or, or Mitchell out there. Would you rather had Fox over Tyrese? I don't think so. Not for what this team needs. He, 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 Tyrese, first of all, Midwest guy, that means something here. 
You know, his yeah. parents, his dad drove down from Oshkosh, Wisconsin last night. He had a, a big contingent of family here. He wants to be here, wants to be the face of the team, and, and wants to embrace them as much as the Pacers want to hug him and embrace them. Something that was lost with Paul George, something that was lost with Victor Oladipo. Um, so they are hoping he can be that guy, not just on the court, but it's imperative for him to be that off the court. They need that symbol for, for many times down the street, it was Peyton Manning for so long. Um, so that's what they were looking for as well. In addition to what he could do on the court. In, in terms of uh, pairings and, 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 and duos, do you think long-term, even with, with Tyrese being there, do you think the possibilities of superstars and that being um, an attractive somewhat market for players to actually go to the Pacers as opposed to ha- them having to build to the draft or do <laughs> trades of that nature? I'll believe it when I see it. Let's just put it that way. We got to be yeah. blunt about it because if you look at the Pacers' history, great player, not a superstar, not a, a hugely substantial player when it comes to winning in the playoff. David West, love the guy, but that's the best they've gotten to this point. They're never in the conversation. That's why, in fact, you guys, you saw him this offseason go after DeAndre Ayton. A guy like that generally is not going to choose the Pacers if he's an unrestricted free agent. So again, that's something Herb Simon normally does not approve of is going after another owner's players. They did it this time. Um, and we can tell Aiden doesn't want to be there. Like, yeah, with the Suns. Yeah, definitely. We all see the cl- countdown clock going on, but yeah. they tried to do that because that would help jump this restart. And he fits the timeline. 22 year old hasn't quite hit his peak yet, looking for a greater role. Um, he fit, he checks all the boxes with what the Pacers were looking for there. But yeah, until I see it, I don't think they can get that marquee free agent. That's why they've pivoted and, and focused more on the draft more than ever before. So what do the Pacers organization needs to do to kind of keep their stars once their stars develop? Like you talked about like mm-hmm. Paul George. Like Paul George was a superstar and then he won it out. And even if Tyrese, like Tyrese can be really good for the any other Pacers, but what happens in the three, four years, if he's like, you know what, I'm tired of playing in Indiana. I want to go to another big market. Yeah. And first of all, I always like to point out, I thought Paul was the perfect uh, example representation of you can land, you can get attention and land endorsement deals mm-hmm. in any market because at that time, I mean, he had AT&T, Papa John's, um, all kinds of NBA 2K. He was on the Nike. Cup. like, Yep, absolutely. He's Nike. He'd got his signature shoe, which is actually delayed because of his injury, by the way. So that can no longer be used as an excuse, I think, for players because you can you can monetize yourself and land endorsement deals wherever. Um, I, I think Pacers are, are trying to improve in kind of the player management department in that aspect. Um they and from what has been described to me, sometimes they're a little bit rigid in their ways, maybe their freedom. For example, uh, Oladipo, when he had a physical therapist, he was not allowed onto the team plane. So when I was traveling, his physical therapist was on the same plane as me. Some teams make that exception depending on on your level, not necessarily right or wrong either way. Um, but maybe you need to give a little bit um, more. Uh, maybe you need to spend a little bit more. Uh, not talking about players, but in taking care of the players or how you travel or just maybe how you act around the team facility is one thing that a, a former player pointed out to me um, in recent years. And also how you interact between management and player. Um, Victor said a lot of things about that and, and tweeted things in the past. Yeah. Um, some, I think that's a little bit misguided. Some, 
you can't knock maybe how he feels that he experienced that. So you're absolutely right. That's something that has to be addressed or improved or or accounted for. Now as they they take on these young players, 20, 21 year olds, help shape them, but they also want for them to stick around. And so I'll, I'll keep it short, but there, a quick story here as they brought in their draft picks. They went the most elaborate introduction for the draft picks that I've ever seen. They had team employees lined outside the practice facility. They brought them up in a pace car like you'd see at the Indianapolis 500, the largest attended sporting event in the year that's held right here. Afterward, they took them to the world-famous shrimp cocktail and steakhouse in town. Then they went around laps at the Speedway. So they are trying to do all they can to welcome these players, get them out in the community, and to put them in front of the fan base, but the fan base also needs to show up at games. We need to see them more uh, than being last in attendance, no matter whether they're winning or not. So you mentioned uh, Victor. There's another uh, Victor I want to mention uh, and, and talk about really quickly. Is there another one I haven't heard? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So of course, players will never come out and say like, "Oh yeah, we you know we're we're, we're trying to tank," and of course, GMs would never say that as well. Um, but do you feel? The, the Pacers should prioritize, I'll say. I won't use the, the tank word. Do you feel like the Pacers should prioritize or think about um, the possibilities of landing, Victor? They are, and yes. like Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're doing right now. That is the priority. That's why when you talk about how they judge the success, they're talking about player growth and the eye test and you know give it a month and you'll know if there is growth out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no lofty goals. It's not winning the division. And you look at what the Pacers have too. I mean, an improved Detroit team, Milwaukee with Giannis. So even if you wanted to just have a a minor goal of winning the division, which in NBA really doesn't mean much, but um, I can tell you they had almost a dozen executive and scouts combined out in Las Vegas to see not just Victor, by the way, but Scoot and the other players. They they're expecting to have three draft picks this year, right? They should get Cleveland's and then they got Boston and then the deal that sent Malcolm Brogdon up there. So it's a lot more than just, that first pick that they hope lands top two at the worst. Yeah, that's very interesting. I will, I will say that the Indiana Pacers, like you said, probably 20 games in, 30 games in, and then we're probably going to start hearing rumors again about Miles Turner and Buddy Hill. So I want to ask you about that. <laughs> Do you think <laughs> by the all-star break, those two would be still on the Indiana Pacers? I don't think Miles will simply because he's in a contract year. He wants to hit free agency, wants to have a say in his his destination. And also, I think he sees a little bit of the writing on the wall, right? Pacers went after DeAndre Ayton. Two years ago, they drafted a potential replacement, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky, who's just 21, who adds an entirely new dimension as a lob threat with this team. Still very raw. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but he could be part of a a tremendous core moving forward. Uh, But you have all of that. Miles probably wants to get paid 20 to 25 million per year. If the Pacers, I'm not sure I'm doing that considering there are other options there. And so you can't, especially in this market, because of what we talked about earlier, you cannot risk losing Miles or any quality player like him for nothing. So you do need to move on from him. You talked about ticket sales and the lack thereof in the Indiana Pacers organization, a team that's been floating around basically all summer, Los Angeles Lakers for Miles Turner. Buddy Hill, those two for unprotected first round draft picks for Russell Westbrook. Ideally, would you want that to happen for the Indiana Pacers? 
I've I've said all along I would want more than that. I would more want more than more than two first round picks for that. And I say that because of what you have to take with Russell Westbrook, not only with the dollar figure, but the tof- the potential, let's call it disruption. Meaning, will would he even play a game for the Pacers if that was the mm-hmm. case? I don't think so. But also, what have I been talking about this whole time? Herb Simon, old principles. Would yeah. he really be on board with paying somebody to go away? Not at that figure, I don't think so. Um, Buddy Heald should command a, a first-round pick by himself. Miles, probably, especially if he's able to play for a month, not be injured, produce like he normally does. So I've said all along my stance would be at least two first-round picks, maybe something else thrown in there ideally. Um at minimum, you would not want those to be protected picks. You'd demand that those be unprotected as unprotected, well and yeah. hope that the Lakers continue to make poor decisions like they have and not fix their roster. And yeah. they're still, you know, there in the lottery, or at least that's a really good pick post LeBron. Um, I think those conversations will persist as long as Russell Westbrook is still on that Lakers roster because the Pacers have flexibility. Um, they want draft picks. They have the most cap space right now at about thirty million to play with, and not many teams do. I think only a handful of yeah. teams do. So Russell, yeah. it's an obvious pairing there, unless maybe you also throw in a third team to make things even more interesting. Yeah. Do you think it's an an age thing when it comes to Russ? In terms of what you mentioned, like disruption, because so obviously the the money, obviously you know probably being oh, the issue, other but disruption. in terms of. Like on the court, like development with, you know, if you're, if we're seeing you're saying that the Pacers yes. are kind of like in a youth movement, obviously Russ, you know, he probably wouldn't be a part of the overall movement towards, you know, three, four or five years later from now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I totally do. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Right. So if you didn't play him, that's tough for the owner to swallow. If you did play him, you're disrupting a, a backcourt that's full of youth, as you described, right? Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, that is going to be exciting for years to come. Could be one of the ba- best backcourts two, three years down the road. Mm-hmm. You throw in Chris Duarte, Buddy Heald for right now. Um, and, and on top of that, Russell isn't really producing. So it's not a net positive necessarily for him to be out there. We, I can't describe what he is like as a teammate, well, whether he would be helpful or not. But you got... A guy like James Johnson on a non-guaranteed deal can provide that veteran leadership. TJ McConnell uh, as well, for example, even Buddy. So you're not paying a premium for that veteran experience. And we know wherever Russell goes, he's going to want to play. But I also will say Westbrook needs a fresh start, like many players across the league, because fit is everything. And it's not always great going back home. Westbrook going back home has been a big failure. And so they do need to move him. It's just a matter of when and what kind of deal they can swing. How long do you think we see somewhat of a turnaround for the Pacers? Good question. I think at least this year could stretch into one more year. I would be very surprised if it's more than a couple of years. Ideally, this is their last year hitting high in the lottery. Maybe they're back in it next year, but that would be four straight years. I don't Mm -hmm. think they've done that in the last 30 years. Like This is incredibly unusual. They were a team that had reached the playoffs in 29 of 35 years. They were the opposite of the Sacramento Kings, if you will, who can't make the playoffs. They were always relevant, 
but never greater really than more than mediocre outside of those couple of years, 2012, 2013, 2014, when they win against LeBron in the heat. So absolutely this year, maybe a little longer, but I wouldn't expect much. I don't think they'll tolerate more than a couple of years at all. I don't think you see the process much, right? When you talk about Philly, that was a one-off. They got Joel, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that was successful. They don't even have an NBA finals to show for it. Yeah, that's, I mean, they got, yeah, they got Joel. Think how many misses I mean, he's it not took wrong. to get Joel. He's not wrong. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that is true. They miss, they miss a lot. <laughs> but, 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 but Joel, if, like, if, if they go out and Michael win the Carter championship, Williams, the list yeah, goes yeah. on. Yes, yeah, yes. But, uh, but if they reach but, the finals and win the championships, everybody's going to say like it was a great ordeal. Like, does that go sense. away? If you win a championship, does those, what was it, seven, eight years of... It's been a... We're almost too, pa- too long past the process, though, Well, right? well I, I, I wouldn't say these last three or four years, just because there has been some success. I mean, like, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the prime of their tanking, if that makes sense. So, like, let's sure. say it was seven or eight years. It, would you go through eight years of bad basketball for mm-hmm. one year of a championship? Yeah, I, I, to your point, I think let's say the Sixers win a title mm-hmm. in the next couple of years while Embiid's yeah. on the roster. Yeah, you could probably attribute that to the process. But I think in yeah. the grand scheme of things we've seen over the years, that's more detrimental than it is it, that than it isn't. Because one thing that's being impressed upon this this young Pacers team and the characteristics of the players that they are going after are the guys that they have to kick out of the gym, guys that are back in at 10 o'clock, that want to win everything, whether it's a three-point contest or a game of knockout. Um, The players, especially Benedict Mather, and that guy has been had to be pushed into the training room to calm down after losing a pickup game in the summer. So they won't take losing lightly, and that's by design. You talk a lot about Benedict Mather. Do you think he could be potentially the the one instead of Tyrese? When we talk about, like, the guy for the Indiana Pacers, because I look at Benedict, what is he, 6'6", athletic, shot-making ability. He was one of the best shooters, three-point shooters in college basketball with Arizona. I mean, he has the tools. I look at him as like his floor, maybe like a taller version of of Terry Rozier, but his ceiling, possibly like a, a Jason Richardson type of player. Like I think he's that special. Yeah, one of the names assistant coach for the Pacers mentioned was kind of a hybrid of maybe like a Dwayne Wade in terms of how much he wants to attack, but also how he has the shot, how much he's determined to get to the line, can play make for others. I really like that kind of description, even though his build isn't quite the same. Um, To your point, I I think absolutely Matherin will be the maybe more complete player. The thing you're getting a lot with Halliburton is those intangibles, the coach on the floor, the quarterback, uh, the one that minimizes mistakes, that sets up his teammates. That's the leader on the floor. And that's something that's that's been absent for this Pacers team for so long. Uh, So, yeah, I think in the long run, Matherin has a higher ceiling. But I think in the if things go successfully, whomever they draft this year will be the number one eventually. And you combine that with Matherin and Halliburton potentially Isaiah Jackson at that five, maybe Jalen Smith as well. Like, and that's really what should get you excited about the Pacers future down the road. I mean, you mentioned obviously, you know, the future just now. And the final question I want to, to run by you is that, that, uh, that Paul George and David West team and Roy Hibbert, how do you think that team uh, would kind of match up in today's NBA? It wasn't that long ago, but no. obviously they, they brought a level of toughness that isn't really common. In, in today's league. So how do you think that um, that roster would have kind of uh, went up against today's uh, NBA teams? 
Yeah, what you had with that was a tough, hard-nosed, battle it out every single night. You know what you're getting from them. The trouble with it, it lacks shooting. Um, and more than everything, anything, you need that shooting. Now, their defense would have been strong. It was Roy Hibbert, who, by the way, you know, we haven't heard from much, right? In two, three years, was out of the league before he's 30. That's how quickly this league moves on and changes. He was the one that essentially created verticality that you still see today. It was him and Frank Vogel uh, doing that in the practice gym, trying to create something where he could be effective. So I think they would absolutely be kind of a playoff team. I don't know how much success they would have, though, because of the lack of shooting and the playmaking that has become more necessary than kind of team basketball, it seems like. it's Right now, you really need a star or two at least. I mean, the Warriors have what? They can go 11 deep. It's unbelievable. And look at other teams. So that would be a, a fun team to watch, but I think ultimately that style of basketball would not nearly be as successful as it once was. I agree. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't have been like I would say as quote unquote flashy, but I think the 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 style would have been unique in comparison to a lot of the teams that we're watching now. But yeah, I think I think you would have seen opponents kind of treat Roy Hibbert like they do Rudy Gobert and get him out away from the basket or or you know you know in that corner or whatever and try to yeah, attack yeah. the lane. Have a lot of spot up shooters for when Paul George attacks or PG could knock down some shots. That was a special. Those were my first couple of years covering this team, so that was a lot of fun. A lot of great personalities in that locker room. Um, so those those were some good years for sure. Yeah, sh- shout out shout out to uh, Paul George. He's uh, he was my pick for MVP this year, and he still is. <laughs> you think of, so? Uh, okay. Yeah. I just want him to be healthy and have a successful year. Honestly, that, yeah. It seems yeah. like that that Clippers team just hadn't been able to put it all together. And, yeah. and see a healthy Kawhi and see, you know, what that group looks like for months on end. Yeah. And now's the time. I mean, they got both guys back. You know, they got a whole new roster. Got John Wall now. I mean, you know, they, they look uh, they look ready to go. But, Scott, if you it, could just, yeah. just do us uh, a favor, man. You have any uh, final words for our, our lovely audience of, of No Pump Fakes? It could be Pacers related, whatever. It could be a bold prediction. It could be a potential trade. <laughs> be your be your uh, top three Indiana Pacers. Oh yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah, players of all time. How about that one? Yeah, be like, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, man. There's there's a lot right there. First of all, um, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, low expectations for the team this year, but I think there's a lot of fun things that you can tune in to League Pass when you're seeing Halliburton, Matherin, the type of things we've been talking about um, throughout this show. All time Pacers. My first guy I talk about. A lot of people probably don't know. It's the Lake Slick Leonard. He was the former uh, ABA coach, won three titles. It was the last time this franchise as a whole was truly successful. They haven't won an NBA title. They were the dominant team of the ABA, uh, and he was a big reason why. Obviously, Reggie Miller, and I'll, I'll take it back to um, to kind of the, the last 10 years and what those special years. Um, and you got to have fun with Lance Stevenson, one of the great personalities <laughs> that there we've we had go. here. There in Indianapolis, go. and it was it's it was a it's been fun covering him for sure. One of the most playful, likable, but misunderstood guys, and I, I think that's why he's not on a roster right now. Mm. I one thousand percent hear you on that. Yep. So, um, but yeah, de- definitely again appreciate you, Scott, for pulling up on no pump fakes. Um, of course, we had to chop it up about the Pacers. Um, my and I, we you know, there's certain teams that um we talk about, of course, but at the end of the day, we still talk about all teams on the show so definitely want to make sure we show um the pairs some love so but just like that y'all another fire episode of no pump fakes you already know what it is we gone peace